You're listening to the Foreign and International Medical Graduate Show, a podcast to inspire physicians in the process of immigration to the United States and access to graduate medical education. We create meaningful and helpful content that motivates medical students and doctors throughout the world with the goal of creating a community that supports itself and gives feedback to each other, that stays updated with the most recent tips and advice on how to make it in America and become a successful resident or fellow in the speciality of your dreams. Dr. Alonso Osorio is board certified and residency trained in both emergency and family medicine and will be bringing you 20 years of his personal experiences, struggles and motivation. We'll be chatting with people like you to talk about the lessons they've learned along their personal path, how to make an impact and how we can all benefit from it. Also, we'll analyze the current resources available and how to benefit from them. Thanks for joining us. Please enjoy the show. Hi, guys, and welcome to the show. Episode number 52 with Dr. Alonso Osorio at OsorioMD.com. Super excited to keep producing material. We have surpassed the barrier of 19,000 downloads. To be more precise, 19,054 with 51 episodes and soon to be celebrating on December 29th, our number one anniversary. Uh, By then, we'll be producing about 54 podcasts or so, which is pretty much a podcast a week. Uh, Now you can more or less predict that about every week, Dr. Osario, depending on my schedule, will be producing some amazing content and material. A few things about my life, what's going on. So, The new job is going great. Month number two has come along. And guess what? Coronavirus, COVID-19 is everywhere, everywhere. I don't know how long I've been now going without getting infected, but sure, I've been careful about wearing my personal protective equipment and gowns and face masks and stuff. And you know, the cases are just spiking tremendously. Uh, we have more than 40, 50 cases, I think, in my current hospital. And some of these uh, patients are remarkably sick. So to my peeps out there, the, the doctors and non-doctors that might be listening, I highly, highly, highly encourage you to be remarkably careful. Some people ask me, hey, why the younger people don't get sick? I say, we do get sick and some of us get really sick. But the problem is, as you get older, we walk a very fine path line. It's like a radio. This is how I explain it. It's like a radio, an old-fashioned radio, that you needed to synchronize and tune in the uh, radio station. And they walk a very fine line on that perfect tuning, right? So with their baseline underlying chronic medical conditions, in example atrial fibrillation, diabetes, hypertension, heart disease, congestive heart failure, chronic kidney disease, morbid obesity, sleep apnea, just that to begin with. On top of that, with significant polypharmacy, 10, 15 medications each, decide to catch the virus. And guess what happens? Suddenly everything goes crazy and becomes out of control. And these patients are turning very, very sick. That's what leads to the morbidity and mortality of the virus. That's why we are so worried. And obviously, the seniors are get, are getting very affected. So be careful out there. As the winter months here in the northern hem- part of the hemisphere of the world is getting colder and in the south and other parts of the world, 
just just be careful. People are spending more time inside and it's getting together, spreading the virus, etc. And especially now after Thanksgivings, God knows what's going to happen. So, having said that, episode number 52, part number 3, sorry, I think it's number 4 of the experiential uh, series of what it's like to have a life in the United States as a physician. I'm going to talk about credit score. So this is what is difficult. And I'm going to give you an example. I'm going to use my brother. And he's not a doctor. But, you know, just let's apply this. Imagine that you're coming to this country as a legal, legal, with documents, with a social security number, legal immigrant to the United States. So you come probably early April, late April, ready to get settled, find an apartment, stay with a friend, get your things sorted out to start residency training in July 1st, get your documents in line, go through your small immigration process, and there you go. You receive your social security card in the mail. So my brother got that, and he has a permission to work. But the problem is that like any of us, like it happened to me, the dude had no prior work experience in the United States. He had been working in Europe and in other parts of the world, France, London, etc. But when you come to America, you get to know um, that it's a society of um, that relies heavily on what we call the credit score. I mean, if you're extremely wealthy, why do you need credit? I mean, you're going to be paying cash. And I do know that many people don't like to carry on any credit. But let me tell you, in America, in one way or another, you must and you should build some sort of credit history. So my brother comes, immigrates, and let's say he wants to buy a car. And he goes to a dealership, not a fancy one. And they ask him for a credit score. They do a background uh, check um, on the credit bureaus. And they download and run a credit based on his social. And guess what? He has no credit history. So they're going to tell him, I'm sorry, we're not going to borrow you money because we don't know how responsible you are at paying debt to the people that have borrowed you money, to your lenders. So it takes up to six months to some of these credit scores to be reporting and up to one month to one of them. And and it takes a while to build credit. How did I do it? How did he do it? In In, in his case... I helped him out. I opened a credit card that I had under my name, but I made him a part of my credit card. He didn't really spend much money at all, but he he was part of this credit history and kind of helped him getting started. That's one option. The other option is to open a secure line of credit. So you got $1,000 in your pocket. You deposit those $1,000 in a bank account. They give you a secure credit line, and you're borrowing against your money. Sometimes with a pretty significant uh, APR or interest rate. And you work that out. You get small balances. You carry a small balance, $50, $100 a month. And you start creating credit history by paying that lender before the deadline every month in a timely fashion without getting overdue. Because... The credit reports will be reporting if you don't pay, if you miss a payment, or if you're overdue on your payments, for example. So that's one way. Another option is to have a cosigner sometimes when you borrow money and when you buy a car. In my case, my friend, Frank Soto, Dr. Frank Soto, he was a cosigner, and 
he was really trusting me and I remember his nervous face and the significant anguish that he had and the, the worries that he was carrying in the back of his mind when when he finally made the decision to borrow me uh, to be the, the, my co-signer but I did pay my car back and he was always on top of me making sure that I was making my my payments on time because otherwise as a co-signer his credit was going to be affected but that that got me got me started so within six months to a year I started building that credit history and it really helped so it helps for everything what literally whatever you go if you're gonna go and rent an apartment they're gonna ask you for social security and your credit history if you don't it is very likely that the renters or uh, they will ask you for a significant deposit and and be ready for that as an immigrant you have to have a decent amount of cash, I would say 5K, to make deposits for many things. For example, the gas, electricity with the power company, the the water, the running water. So all these companies want to make you a huge deposit. So once you have gone a year paying your account on time, they will refund or give you credit on that deposit towards your account. So be ready to deposit for, for those, as I said, water, gas, and electricity for your apartment rental or your housing rental and sometimes you make a huge down payment also for your your car and you don't want to go with a an expensive car obviously but a reliable car a vehicle that will take you back and forth from your home ideally closer to the hospital to the hospital you know and and honda hyundai European Asian cars, you know, Toyota, Japanese cars, they're amazing. They're more affordable. You don't need a BMW unless you're, you have a special circumstances and you, you're a millionaire or you make a pretty good living or you have other ways to make money. But in general, a resident has to live a simple life because you're going to have a salary from 50 to 70,000 people. If you're by yourself, it w- you can stretch it out and kind of have more wiggle room. But if you have a family of two, three or four, then we're talking that you really you're not gonna live with luxury. So be pretty smart about how you handle the money. Handling money in America is a significant big deal. And be smart. Don't don't go crazy. Uh, I'm gonna be honest with you. At the very beginning, it's remarkably easy. You see that the U.S. dollars coming through, and you start expanding. And and I used to moonlight so hard during my first residency program, during years number two and three. And I went moonlighting on my weekends off for 72 hours to Iowa and I would make some very good money, like seven, $8,000 on a weekend. But I also spend like crazy. And remember, you're paying taxes depending on your income bracket here in the United States. They have it by brackets. So if you're, you know, with probably 60, 70, 100,000, you're not in the upper tier, but nowadays I am, uh, you're gonna be expecting somewhere between 25 and 44% taxes in the United States one way or another. Oh, t- talking about taxes, you you better be on time for your tax returns and, and taking care of your of your taxes, paying your taxes on time uh, before April comes around. Anyway, that's a whole different new episode. So talking about credit score and getting back to what I said, a credit score for the most part is a three-digit score. This three-digit score was established in late 1980s, early 2000s. 
they have been a couple of uh, credit reporting bureaus or institutions that concentrate on that. And it's a number. The credit credit score is a number. And it ranges somewhere between 300 and 900, most of them from 250 to 850. But what it means is that the highest you have the number, the better off a lender feels about your credit history and your capacity to pay and being just a good person paying your money back. And they and they get feedback from financial different financial institutions uh, and credit uh, companies or credit card companies that give feedback to these uh, credit bureaus to obtain the information, your credit history on the accounts that you have, how much balance you have, and how many years of revolving credit you have have you have had with them. So the the credit scores were created obviously calculating the information from the credit reports there is mostly three important credit bureaus Equifax Experience and TransUnion TransUnion and then they produce a credit report with the information from the lenders as i said from the car credit issuers and other financial institutions and this becomes your credit history and your credit activity and they created two types of uh, 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 scores. There is one called the Vantage score and one that is called the FICO score. And those are two different ways or credit scoring mo- models that uh, use consumer credit data to generate credit scores, which is this three-digit number that just checks your ability to repay your debt. And uh, the first one was created in 1989. The FICO means the Fair Isaac corporation that introduced the first model in 1999 and then the Vantage score was later introduced in 2006 and that one was created by the three bureaus that I mentioned Equifax, Experian and TransUnion. So many times uh, you you get depending on your credit card company in the past when I came into the U.S. you had to pay for your credit score or you were allowed to have one free credit report per every credit application. But nowadays, if you have a nice credit card, usually they give you a free credit report. Pretty much on a daily basis, they can tell you if you're going up or down. I think mine is above 800, which is excellent credit score. And it's about having a huge credit li- um, limit and low utilization, but good uh, uh, history on your payments. And uh, they pretty much base themselves on, as I said, Payment history, which is extremely influential, age and the type of credit. Not every credit is the same. A mortgage or, a, you know, a car payment is different than a credit card, etc. Also, they want to know the percentage of credit, limited use, the total balances and debt, the recent credit behaviors and inquiries. Um, when you when you submit a credit. Um, uh, when you want credit, they do what is called either a hard or a soft request. The hard ones, they take a dent on your credit score because they actually report this hard credit score in your, on your credit bureau. And if it's good, they lend you the money, but you have one hit. And some of them, they have soft. So whenever you make a call, you want to ask them, hey, are you doing a hard credit check or a soft credit check? Be careful sometimes. They're not very honest about it, but they, they should disclose way in advance. And uh, they want to know the the payment history, the amount owned, the length and the credit his- of the credit history. If you have new credit and what kind of credit mix you have, old accounts, 
mature accounts, accounts that are right in the middle, and that all contributes to many things. So this credit score obviously is a trend. It's not based on one single report, but they keep a trend over several months. And they just, uh, if you go to a bank and you say, I want to buy a house, they will, first thing they do, no matter who you are, even if you're putting 10, 20% down payment, 5% down payment, and you want a 30-year mortgage, they're going to check your credit score if it's 780, 800. You know, they're going to go with you. Obviously, another important thing to say is they have fantastic, fantastic physician loans. And, and I have used those in the past, and the interest rate is much better because we doctors have a reputation and a fame that for the most part, we're great pairs. We, we, we like to pay back. The type of character and personality and ethics that we carry is pretty high. And this credit institution really trusts us. So they give us plenty of money. And you have to be really careful because in America, you can get in serious debt and economical financial travel by having a lot of credit card debt and, and, and things over your house, a fancy house, a million dollars, a couple of nice house, another 100 plus thousand dollars and these and that and, and the other things, sorry, things just blow out of proportion and you'll be working to pay debt, but not working to have fun and enjoy your family. So be, be really careful. And, you know, there is many mistakes that people have made in the past and have gone bankrupt. So be really careful. Anyway, I just wanted to t touch up on that. As I said, watch your credit score. Be careful about how you handle that. Also, be careful about your handle, your 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 identity in the United States. They, they it is uh, you want to have that protected. You have a you want to have a good credit card. Be careful where you keep those accounts. The internet sites that you use, the antivirus software that you're using for your computer, etc. Believe me, uh, life in America here is fantastic, but at the same time, you need to be smart about it. My Indian friends, I, I know that you guys are really smart with the money and you guys work really hard. So congratulations on that. We Hispanics are a little bit flashier. Obviously, that's not a pattern or, or always, always a truth. But my biggest advice is be careful, live humble, live a humble life. At the very beginning, when you finish your first residency program, just or your fellowship, just take it easy for two, three, four, five years, put money aside because that money is just gonna grow stronger and be stronger and every dollar you put aside is just gonna be um, more dollars in your in your future. So, well, having said that, I wanted to keep it short. I'm not a credit advisor myself, but it's something that I have experienced in the past and I know that many of you will be soon, soon exposed to this crazy situation many of you don't know how it works so i hope that you gather a little grasp on what that is like call to action we are bringing back mr julio rodriguez bernier and he is the english coach and we have lots of success lots of downloads and lots of inquiries and people have been approaching him about initiating the english class english classes for doctors the conversational classes for doctors so here's what we're doing the foreign international medical graduate podcast dr alonso osorio is partnering up with the english coach to launch a course for a select group of 100 individuals 
willing to participate on the English Improving Skills. It's going to be remarkably affordable and it's going to uh, be very limited space. So be in the lookout for the specifics and the details coming in the future regarding this fantastic opportunity that the English coach will come and explain us how it's going to work out. Well, having said that, God bless you all. And I hope you have a fantastic, fantastic Christmas season. Get ready. I hope that the Thanksgiving weekend was a, a good one for you all. And I hope to hear you soon. Keep downloading and keep sharing because sharing is caring. God bless you and goodbye for now.